0: Visit tancommentaries.com to get your copy of the book and to subscribe for access to all the great reading plans, new episodes, bonus content, and exclusive deals for listeners of The Commentaries.
1: Hello, and welcome to the seventh episode of the commentary series on the Dialogue of St. Catherine of Siena. I am Sister Mary Madeline Todd, a Dominican sister of the Congregation of St. Cecilia in Nashville, Tennessee. Today is the seventh part of our series, and we'll be continuing to look at St. Catherine's writing on how Christ the Bridge works in our lives. We'll see how Catherine leads us through the topics of what are the fruits of the tree of death, and how judgment is merciful, and what are the blessings of those living in heaven in beatitude. We'll be beginning in the Treatise of Discretion with the subsection called How the Fruits of this Tree are as Diverse as the Sins to the subsection of the glory of the Blessed. First, let us begin with prayer, using the prayer that St. Catherine of Siena wrote, calling upon the Trinity. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Eternal God, eternal Trinity, you have made the blood of Christ so precious through his sharing in your divine nature. You are a mystery as deep as the sea. The more I search, the more I find, and the more I find, the more I search for you, but I can never be satisfied. What I receive will ever leave me desiring more. When you fill my soul, I have an ever greater hunger, and I grow more famished for your light. I desire above all to see you, the true light, as you really are. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. In our last segment, which was the sixth in this series, we discussed the Father's revelation to Catherine concerning the contrast between the tree of death and the tree of life. We saw that the tree of death is rooted in pride rather than in humility. And when we are living from this pride, we become impatient, and we bear the fruits of vice rather than of virtue. We know that it's the Father's desire for all of His children to be saved. We know that God wants every one of us to be life-giving trees, trees of love, bearing fruits of abundant virtue. However, because the Lord respects the gift of freedom which He gave us, He warns us about the dark path that can be chosen if we refuse to walk in humility. As we begin the seventh section, The Lord shows Catherine the diversions that come from being rooted in pride. And although He will warn her about judgment, He will also reveal to her how glorious it is to be counted among the blessed in heaven. As the Father speaks to Catherine about the vices and sins that flow from pride, He first begins with sensuality. The human person was made to live in the beauty of purity but sometimes we fall so far from that ideal. And the more we stray from the purity that we were made for, the more it darkens the capacities of the intellect. St. Thomas Aquinas often wrote about this, that the virtue of temperance is not only for our bodily good, but also for our reasonable good. That the more we are disciplined in the body, the more our minds are free to pursue truth. God points out to Catherine that even philosophers who lived before the coming of Christ understood that it was important to be pure in body so as to attain light of the soul. Not only did they seek purity in body, but that even the philosophers gave away their excess riches so that they could focus more on acquiring truth through study so that the body and the soul together are free to pursue the beauty of truth and goodness. Next, the Father shows Catherine how pride leads not only to sensuality, but also to greed or avarice. He reveals to Catherine that he means for his followers to live according to his divine generosity, a generosity that is manifest in compassion and mercy to others. Not only do people often hoard material things, but they even come to a point where they will only give time to help others if they are paid for it. The Father points out that this inordinate desire for the things of this earth not only leads to a kind of greed, but ultimately shows itself in actions like theft and even murder. A person can be so attached to his own comfort and good that he no longer respects even the life of his neighbor. The Father says to Catherine that a greedy person comes to a place where he loves no one except for his own profit. That's a really interesting insight that if we give in to greed, we'll only love others to the extent that they can profit us. This insight is one that many modern thinkers and saints have also pointed out. Many places in the writings of St. John Paul II, he pointed out that humans are never supposed to be an object of use, but rather that every human person is the subject of love. This principle is here in the writings that Catherine is receiving from the Father, that if we become so proud and so darkened in our minds that we begin to want only our own material benefit, we ultimately objectify and use the people around us and even become violent against them. The Father also points out that greed is often wedded to pride since the greedy person becomes consumed with the opinion of others An obsession that shows itself in vanity and boasting and a constant desire to be better than one's neighbor. Again, we see this a lot in our contemporary society that there's such a spirit of competition. And this spirit of competition leads to envy and the inability to be happy at the good of another person, but only at one's own good. The father points out that he often gives people extra time to grow beyond this avarice and this pride in this world as a gift of his divine mercy he says that the only way a person can remain so turned in on self and far from love of others is if that person fails to consider the blood of christ that was shed with so much love in other words implicit in the father's lament over those who through pride give way to sensuality and greed, is the invitation to remain humbly attentive to the great love of God manifest for us in the shedding of the blood of Christ, so that in the truth of humility, a person can remain in virtue, especially in the virtue of charity. Pride next gives way to the sin of injustice. And this is especially evident If the proud person holds authority. Now, Catherine saw this a lot in the church of her day and in the society of her day. Many people in roles of leadership were not serving out of love, but rather were manipulating others for their own benefit. And this is a great type of injustice. The father tells Catherine that a person who misuses authority is not only acting against God but also against their neighbors, but even against their very self, because the failure to walk in virtue harms the individual as much as it harms others. Why? Because if a person becomes blind to justice, they fail to acknowledge what is due on every level. The person who is proud does not know what is due to God, does not know how to reach out to others, but also doesn't respect his or her own dignity. Because injustice leads to a kind of blindness, it leads to a failure to acknowledge what is truly right and what is due to each person around us. The Father goes on to instruct Catherine that one of the principal effects of leading a life that is absorbed with pride and bringing forth the fruits of all the vices that flow from pride is that one loses one's capacity to judge things well. It's interesting that this misjudgment translates not only into the person's personal choices and the way they treat others, but even into a misperception of the things of God. God says to Catherine that even the works of God come to look like they're unfair by this false judgment. The Father points out that historically this is why so many people failed to recognize the goodness of the works of Jesus Christ even while he walked in this world. Because they were proud, because they thought they knew what was right and just, because they thought they knew how to live the law, many people condemned Jesus and they rashly judged him. And they even accused Jesus of being in collaboration with the devils. Because people were so rooted in self-love impurity, pride, avarice, envy, they began to exercise rash judgment and they had impatience. And the Father says that the fruit of this rash judgment is that good things will come to seem like they're evil and bad things come to seem like they're good. This is such an interesting insight and I think applicable in every generation that when we see individuals, or groups, or even a whole society, where values are backwards. It is precisely this misjudgment that flows from an injustice that is rooted in a pride that has darkened the intellect. This distortion of good and evil, the Father says, leads people to act contrary to their own dignity and enslaves people to sin. This is why it can be so hard to even recognize how destructive certain patterns of behavior are, because if a person is misled at the level of their thinking, they can no longer see how much their actions harm themselves or others. Of course, the good news of the dialogue is that it is Christ the bridge who came to liberate us from this darkness and deception and this servitude towards evil. Christ came and he took upon himself our servitude. And by his obedience, he broke the power of the disobedience of Adam. He humbled himself to confound pride. For the proud person completely disregards and even tramples underfoot the blood of Christ poured out with so much love. Whereas the humble person receives the saving blood of Christ with gratitude, and with love. Next, the Father explains to Catherine the passage of Scripture where Jesus Christ promises to send the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, who will reprove the injustices of this world and challenge false judgments. The Father first cleansed humanity of false judgment by sending the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, and the Holy Spirit anointed the apostles to proclaim truth. A truth that still remains in the teaching of the Holy Church. The next remedy of false judgment comes through the revelation of the Holy Scriptures, and through all those who, anointed by the Spirit, are sent to proclaim the truth of God found in the Scriptures. God said that the gift of His Word was given out of great affection, out of love for humanity, and desire for the salvation of souls. He has shown how beautiful virtue is and how dark vice is. The Father points out that to the person who humbly submits to his truth, even great darkness can be lifted. He uses here the example of St. Paul, a saint to whom St. Catherine had great devotion, who became a chosen vessel and was converted from a way of violence unto a path of life. A person who neglects the Spirit's action in the soul and the revelation of truth found in the Holy Word of God makes himself subject to judgment. The hope-filled truth is that any soul who begins to regret his offenses against God and His goodness can always find mercy. This is the meaning of leaving behind the river of death and stepping onto the bridge of life. The greatest tragedy of all is to give up on divine mercy as Judas did to doubt that the mercy of God is far greater than any of our sins and vices. Only the one who refuses to trust in the mercy of God suffers the torment of the choice of darkness and sin. The Father reveals to Catherine the tragic result of the definitive choice to reject His mercy. The first and greatest of all sufferings is to be deprived of the vision of God which is followed upon by the pain of conscience that will never be satisfied for the person who refuses repentance. The third suffering the Father mentions is the vision of the devil, a being whom the Father describes is so horrible that the heart of man cannot imagine it. Here the Father mentions the time when he allowed St. Catherine to have a vision for just a moment of the devil. She was so horrified that she lost all control over her senses, and when she regained them, she said she would rather walk on a road of fire all the way to the Day of Judgment rather than see for one second that hideous sight again. The fourth suffering is a pain of fire that burns according to the diversity of one's sins the Father reveals to Catherine that the third reproof of false judgment and the enticements of pride comes at the general judgment, when the soul and the body will be reunited. This is when Christ comes in glory rather than His first coming as a little child. This will lead to unspeakable joy for those who have chosen to follow Him, but it will be a source of unspeakable suffering to those who have freely and fully rejected His mercy. The person who dies in hatred of God and others is forever obstinate in that evil and can desire good for no one. The suffering of such a person is really that they receive what they have chosen. Having chosen hatred, that person endures the pain and suffering of that choice forever. To avoid this extreme tragedy, the Father reminds Catherine that the person who walks in charity will find that that desire is fulfilled. Because such a soul loves God and loves all in God, she will experience the joy of eternal goodness according to the measure with which she lived. The soul in heaven is not only one with God, but can also behold all of the good angels. And this soul rejoices to share in the delights of eternal life with all those who have chosen to walk in love. The joy of heaven is multiplied the more souls come to enjoy this bliss. The Father describes to Catherine that the souls in heaven have an exaltation, a mirthfulness, a jubilee, a joyousness in themselves, which is refreshed by the knowledge that they have found in souls who share in the rewards of charity. The more they love God, the more joy they find in the salvation of others who also walk in love. As the Father goes on to enumerate the joys of those in heaven, He tells Catherine that one of our greatest joys will be when we behold the glorified body of His only begotten Son. And then in a most amazing passage, the Father says of the glorious souls in heaven that they exalt in His wounds, which have remained fresh and the scars in his body are preserved and continually cry for mercy for you to me the supreme and eternal father for those who love god the coming of the divine judgment is not something which they fear but rather the cause of great joy because they lived in joy and love and affection for god and with goodwill toward their neighbor to those who have chosen evil the Lord's justice will be feared. But to those who have chosen love, they will be overwhelmed by the beauty of divine mercy. With this, we conclude the seventh day in our study of the dialogue of St. Catherine of Siena. Next time, we'll be looking at the roles of temptation and suffering in a section from the Treatise of Description that begins with how after the general judgment, the pain of the damned will increase and continues to how this soul was in great bitterness on account of the blindness of those who are drowned below in the river. Although the devil wishes us to be consumed with pride and uses temptation and suffering to challenge us, the grace and mercy of God are always with us. No one ever needs to remain in the destructive waters of pride and all the sins that are born from pride. In this life, in every moment, we are offered the grace of humility to turn away from anything that is destructive, and to step on to Christ the bridge, and to persevere in ascending the bridge to ever greater love, a love whose eternal reward is beyond anything we can imagine. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen.
0: This has been an episode of The Commentaries, a podcast brought to you by TAN. To follow the show, study more of the greatest Catholic classics, and to support the commentaries and other great free content from TAN, visit TANcommentaries.com to subscribe and use coupon code COM25 to get 25% off your next order, including the dialogue and countless more spiritual works to deepen your interior life and guide you to heaven.